Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here uh, on Thursday afternoon. As always, love my Thursday afternoon audience. Always happy to be here. Let's get started here at the top of the noon hour with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits, who run around the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, talking about the ruin of souls, there's an article that came out last week, uh, interesting article, and I've had a few people ask my opinion on it and, and uh, comment on it, <clears throat> because literally it hurt their souls. And, and it's an interesting article. Right now, the uh, topic of abortion is so hotly debated, um, especially in light of the fact that it's no longer a federal mandate. It's no longer uh, considered a federal right here in the United States. It's state dependent. And there's a lot of controversy, a lot of uh, fighting, infighting, and outfighting, and so many different opinions that people have. Of course, as Catholics, there's no other opinion other than abortion is just not acceptable. Um, and we base that on the teachings of our Lord. We base that on the knowledge uh, that life starts at conception. Life starts from that very moment where we uh, we are co-creators with God. We create, we say co-creators because we create the physical body. God has given us that grace and God implants the soul. That's our faith. That's our belief. And that's what we know to be true. Uh, but interesting article that came out. Let's go ahead and go through that a little bit. Then I have a few stories to share of uh, a few patients that I've seen who have gone through some interesting uh, ups and downs when it comes to the topic of abortion. And it's not, not an easy topic to to talk about because it gets so emotional and, and heated. Um, but hopefully we can just discuss the facts here, folks, and, and look at what it is. Well, let's look at this article first. Let's look at why it was painful to some people, and they say it hurt their souls. The article says Christian Slam Newsom, who is the governor of California right now, 
for disgusting pro-abortion billboards quoting Jesus. And they even say these billboards are satanic. And let's look at why, in case anybody missed this article. Uh, the article goes on to say, a Catholic priest said that Newsom's billboards exhibit one of the worst distortions of a Bible passage I have ever seen. Well, here we go. Democratic uh, California governor is taking flack from Christians who are offended by his multi-state billboard campaign that promotes abortion by quoting Jesus. That's right. It promotes abortion by quoting Jesus. Already that tells you that there's a whole lot of irony going on here. But is it really ironic? We'll have to see. We'll have to see because we're going to see how this is very biblical, if you will. Um, Last week, Newsom took to Twitter to tout the billboards as his gubernatorial campaign is erecting in Texas. <clears throat> uh, oh, I'm sorry. He, he put these billboards in Texas, Oklahoma, Mississippi, and four other anti-freedom states, as this article says, uh, where abortion is restricted or outlawed. Some versions of the billboards, all of which urge women to such states to come to California to get abortions, advertise the state's easily obtainable abortions by quoting the book of Mark, our gospel, Mark 12, 31, where Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. That's the quote. It says the governor tagged several uh, GOP governors in his Twitter thread, uh, including the governor of Texas, the governor of Ohio, the governor of Mississippi, and he says the billboards are also going up in other states like Indiana, South Carolina, and South Dakota. <clears throat> and these articles, these billboards say things like this. If we look at these billboards, they have a few examples here. It says for the state of Indiana, it says Indiana does not own your body. Um, another one says need an abortion? California is ready to help. Learn more at abortion.california.gov. So they've already have links. It's a, it's a real campaign here, folks. Uh, to say, hey, come on down to California, and this is where this can be done. Now, right under that is where they quote, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. So obviously, these billboards, uh, they're saying that they're being compassionate, saying that we're, we're here to help you out because we love you, and we, and we know that you're in pain or whatnot, and we want to love you. Okay, let's see what else the article says. The idea that Newsom is using the words of Jesus Christ, as a quote, the Holy Scriptures to promote the killing of unborn children as somehow loving and commanded by God is quite frankly disgusting, said Jay, said, I can't pronounce his last name, Sekolo, I think it is. He's the chief counsel of the American Center for Law and Justice in a statement uh, for this article. <clears throat> so again, he, this is where a lot of people were like, how is this possible? How is it that they're actually using the Bible? Somebody would use a Bible quote a Bible quote from Christ himself to justify abortion. Another, uh, this gentleman goes on to say, this is a blatant political fundraising ploy to boost his own political profile and presidential aspirations. The people are smarter than that. It just won't work. Many Twitter users echo these sentiments, including uh, a Roman Catholic priest who serves as an adjunct professor of theology at Belmont Abbey College in Charlotte, North Carolina. He described Newsom's billboards as one of the worst distortions of a Bible passage I've ever seen. Shame on the gover governor and his government. The most basic level of loving your neighbor as yourself is not killing your neighbor. That's exactly what abortion does. That's what uh, this priest is named, Father Schneider. Um, 
interesting, you know, backlash. What do you do? It's already out there. It's hurt people's souls because why? We've got to think, folks, our soul thinks as well. You know, we talk about here we are at the clinic, here at the Dr. Sandoval show. We talk about medicine. We talk about our mind, our body, our spirit, our soul. Um, each one of those, I believe, has its own way of thinking. You know, the body has its own mind. It, it tells us when it's hungry, when it's thirsty, when it's had too much to eat, when it needs to move. You know, somehow the body relays that to us, to us as a person. And we say, hey, my body's asking me for something. Our minds is the same thing. Have, has anybody ever been bored? You know, our minds ask us for things. They say, hey, I need some stimulation, some intellectual stimulation. I need to read something. Maybe I want to learn something. Maybe I've got a little curiosity. Well, folks, I believe our soul has a mind too. And I believe our soul tells us, hey, you got to pray. Now, we ignore our soul a lot, I think, because we say, man, prayer is hard. I don't know that I want to pray. Hey, get out there. You got to pray. Hey, go do this. You got to do that. You know, our our, uh, our soul prompts us all the time. Our, it has its own mind. It tells us, yeah, I've been praying. You got to do what's right. That sense of guilt that a lot of times we don't want to address in psychiatry, I believe that's just the mind of the soul telling us, hey, you got to make things right with God, right? This is why articles like this or why if somebody uses scripture in a way that is completely contrary to what we know to be true, um, to justify sin, if you will, it hurts. It hurts us because it's saying, how do we defend this? Well, let's see. Let's see what else the article says. So <clears throat> another Roman Catholic priest from Indiana, Father Hildebrand, said, this is satanic. He just came out and said, <laughs> he said, this is satanic. He said, imagining the devil and his advertising office at the top of the highest skyscraper in hell, giggling to himself as the governor uses Jesus' own words to support killing babies. Um, that's a quote from Catholic Answers, a Catholic media ministry that went on a nine-tweet thread to excoriate the Democratic governor for having twisted the words of the Bible. Explaining how the verse Newsom cited was removed from the context of Jesus affirming the Old Testament commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart as the greatest commandment, Catholic Answers tweeted, no surprise here, Satan having no imagination can only create by perverting the good not of his making. Likewise, it seems, for the governor. So that's a quote from uh, Catholic Answers. <clears throat> you can follow this. I'm going to put a link to this article. Uh, down below so you guys can see this there's another quote here wow so murdering your innocent unborn child is somehow loving your neighbor tweeted the christian outlook a christian media outlet let's all pray for the governor that he might get saved and see the value god places on every life born and unborn so a lot of controversy obviously a lot of uh, uh strong reactions to this because like i said it's pretty painful, folks. It's pretty painful to see this uh, when people use our religion in a way or the quotes of Jesus Christ himself in a way to justify sin, to justify what we know to, to be uh, keeping us from God. Well, <clears throat> let's see here. Here's another interesting quote as a reaction. Your religious beliefs have no place in our politics except when we want to use them to troll people we hate. That's fine, tweeted canon lawyer Ed uh, Condon who also found the Catholic publication, The Pillar. You know, <clears throat> this. Uh, here's another quote. A lot of reactions, folks. Uh, good Catholic is, uh, the governor is supposed to be a good Catholic, is, he's supposed to be of the Catholic faith, is now using Bible scriptures to encourage women to come to California to abort their babies. Uh, um, this is written by David G Giglio. 
a former congressional candidate who is also a Catholic. A truly shameful display, he says. Meanwhile, in California, crime continues to skyrocket. Skyrocket. The cost of living is out of control, and the state can't even keep the lights on, which is true here in California. We worry about our electricity all the time. There's a question of uh, the ironies of life. All right, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Today, we are talking about a very, very important topic, um, very challenging topic to talk about. So if anybody read the article, if you were joining us on the last segment, uh, there's all these billboards going up on different states saying, if you need an abortion, come to California because California is ready to help. And the part that's very challenging about these billboards is not so much that, not unexpected to see a billboard like that, Right. Especially if we know the way the politics go and different opinions uh, on whether abortion is right or wrong or what is going on with that. Um, not surprising, not surprising to see this. But the challenging part here is that these billboards come with a catch. These billboards come justifying abortion as though it is the words of Christ um, that are uh, telling you that it's OK to do. It quotes. The book of Mark, 1231. Let me go ahead and look here at the book of Mark. I'm going to open my Bible just to make sure, because a lot of times people will put things up and they're not even the right quote. But let's see what the chapter is here. This is interesting. Why are you taking this from the Bible? Chapter 12, uh, verse 21 is what it says. Double check that, folks. Excuse me, 31, not 21, 31. Because this is where Jesus says this. So I'm going to start from verse 29. Uh, well, let's just read the whole the whole uh, passage here because it's a, a passage on the first commandment. I start with verse 28 uh, from Mark 12. And it says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. This is verse 31. It says, the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no one, no other but he. And to love him with all our with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one neighbor as oneself is much more than all the whole brunt of offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any questions. Well, let's look at this article passage in light of these billboards, because a lot of people are very upset about these billboards. But, you know, where is this coming from? All I'll say is this. The way that this uh, Bible passage is quoted is a half-truth. Okay, why is it a half-truth? Because, again, the Bible just said, the, the quote here says Mark 21, 31, but it starts by saying, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Well, it's actually not even quoting the whole of the verse because the, Matthew 31, it starts with, the second is this. The second greatest thing is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. By not including that, what's going on with this billboard? You've got to think like Catholics in order to live like Catholics in order to be Catholic. 
if you don't include that part where it says the second is this, this is secondary to something else. And the first one is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Why is that important? Because we have to take it back. We have to look at this billboard. We have to look at how we're how our our Bible verses are being used, how the words of Jesus are being used, and we're negating the fact that you have to love the Lord your God first, not your neighbor first. Love the Lord your God. Why? Because then I'm going to know how to love my neighbor. If I don't know how to love God, I'm not going to know how to love my neighbor. We all came from God. Well, hopefully we'll go back to God. But if I ignore the fact that first I'm supposed to focus on God, then, of course, anything's okay, because why? What happens? If you get rid of God, you get rid of all morality. You get rid of everything that is good. There's no good or bad. What does it matter? It's not going to matter, because who's directing this? Who is to say that this quote is important? Who's to say that you should love your neighbor as yourself? The difference is this. If I just say, hey, Dr. Sandoval says love your neighbor as yourself, when they're going to say, well, Dr. Sandoval, how am I supposed to love my neighbor? How am I supposed to love myself, right? You're going to turn to me first to figure that out because all of a sudden it's like I became the authority of this commandment. If I say, hey, you've got to love your neighbor yourself, well, how is that? I can easily just say, let me tell you how I think that should be. And all of a sudden I become the author of that and I become the director of this quote. If I ignore the fact that that's the second commandment, the first commandment is love God. Wait a minute. Now that changes everything, right? What you got to remember with these billboards is not to be so shocked at the fact that, oh my goodness, they use Jesus's quote. You got to take a step back and say, well, how did they use this quote? What is it that they're saying? Because they eliminated the fact that love God first. Now the question is, how do we love God? And then I don't say, well, I think we should love God this way. I say, let's look at the Bible and tell us what God has told us about how we're supposed to love him. That's going to be the important part. That's really going to be the key to all of this, because then we're going to say, hey, you know, this is how you're supposed to love God. You're not supposed to kill. God gave us commandments. we got to follow these commandments first. And then once we do that, then we know how to love our neighbor. Then we know how to love our neighbor. That's the, the key, the important part uh, of all of this. Well, let's look at something else, because all of a sudden, is this the first time that Scripture has been used against uh, God himself? The very words of God, if we believe the Bible to be the words of God, Let's look at Matthew chapter 4, um, starting with verse 1. We just look at chapter 4, the temptation of Christ. Let's read through this really quickly um, and see what happens. This is when Jesus was baptized, and then all of a sudden it says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus says, hey, I can't just do this. I need to focus on God. Well, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will give his angels charge of you. So the devil says, oh, you want to use Bible quotes to tell me that abortion is wrong? Well, let me use a Bible quote to tell you that it's right. The same way here, it's no different. When he, he was tempting Christ, he said, well, you want to use a Bible quote to tell me you can um, that you will not challenge God, uh, that you will not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Well, okay, let's use the word of God then, if that's the way you want to go. And he tells him, hey, throw yourself down, for it is written that he will take the angels to, to save you. 
his angels will charge it will take charge of you <clears throat> he says on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone isn't that what it says well of course and then jesus said to him again it is written you shall not tempt the lord your god again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and he said to him all these i will give you if you will fall down and worship me then jesus said be gone satan for it is written you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him. Notice something. Why do I like this? Because we need to make a very, very big comparison here, folks. Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. If we go back to that quote to the book of Mark, what was taken away from that? You shall love only God. That's the end of the day. So that, that's where we win the battle. <clears throat> How do I fight that? How do I say, well, love your neighbor as yourself? My question is, well, what about God? That's where Jesus won the battle. He said, you shall only love God. That's it. The same way with this quote, that's what was taken away. That's what was not included on that billboard. You shall love God first. So how do you fight something like this? It's very easy. It's no fight. The fight's already been won. You say, well, let's read that whole quote because <clears throat> before I love my neighbor as myself, I have to love God above all. And once I love God above all, I got to follow those commandments. And that's how I love my neighbor. You know, <clears throat> this is a sad case uh, with abortion. It's interesting how we can use scripture even today. Nothing new. People will use scripture to justify anything. But we have to look at it in the context of am I using it in the right way? Am I using it in a way that I'm loving God? I got a couple stories for you of a few patients that I actually had to see. They were coming to me not because they were going to have an abortion, but they were coming to me because they were, well, actually they were going to have an abortion, but they were coming to me from a psychiatric perspective. And I'll give you a few stories. One of them <clears throat> had an abortion already. Okay. And one of them was going to have an abortion. The one who had already had an abortion, she came to me because she was suffering from anxiety, depression. She was very, very nice. She was 26 years old, more or less. She was starting off her life. She had a boyfriend who she was going to marry. And her story is this. You know, she'd gone through junior high. She'd gone through high school. She made it to college. She was the first person in her family to make it to college. A lot of pressure on her. Everybody was, she was the pride of her family. She came from very humble beginnings. Uh, she came from uh, uh, immigrant parents, and they were all looking to her to say, wow, if she could do it, this is wonderful. I see this all the time. That's a lot of pressure, right? Because we hold education highly we say gosh somebody graduated from college that means something that means something in this country you went to college you got a degree now a lot of people argue geez dr sound well the degrees that they're giving out nowadays don't mean a whole lot but i'll tell you what for for immigrant families that come from humble beginnings from poor socioeconomic backgrounds the idea of college and a college degree being a professor a teacher or having some sort of title that's a big deal it's a very big deal because it shows that you've that you've struggled, that you've hard, fought hard, and that you've learned a thing or two, and now you actually become an authority on things. Well, that's the pressure on this young gal. You know, I don't blame her for feeling a lot of pressure, but what happens? She gets to college, and she gets pregnant. The guy that she got pregnant with, not her current boyfriend who she was going to marry, uh, but the guy she got pregnant with, somebody she met at a party. You know, it wasn't it wasn't anything spectacular. It wasn't in terms of the relationship. It wasn't a very solid foundation. And <clears throat> being pregnant and knowing that she had to make her family proud by graduating college is a story she told me. That's why she decided, I can't, I can't let anything get in the way of my career. can't let anything get in the way of getting my degree. I can't because otherwise I'm going to look like a failure. 
and this pregnancy boy that's really going to change everything for me it's not going to it's not i'm not going to do a it's not going to let me get to these goals you told me that in brief uh, <clears throat> but when we talked about it the reason we talked about it is because i was treating her for depression for some anxiety and we had to get to the core of what was causing her depression and anxiety and at this point it was because she was 26 that's when she had graduated from college she did a, a few degrees there. She got a few titles. And so she was very proud of herself. And now, very common, you know, people graduate from college and they get depressed. Why? Because all of a sudden you reach your goal. And then the question is, now what? Now what do we do? Um, you know, the world promises you that if you have a degree, all of a sudden you're going to have a job and all these things, which is not always the case. Right? People come to find that depending on what kind of degree you get. Obviously, if you get a more professionally uh, uh, goal-oriented degree, if you're into law or medicine or the health sciences or things like that, there's always jobs for that. Um, but she got her degree somewhere in literacy or, or literary or English major. I don't remember what it was, something in the humanities. She wasn't, now there's jobs there. She just wasn't sure what kind she was going to get. So that led to depression or anxiety, not uncommon. So I, I say that for anybody who's reaching a goal, any kind of goal. Uh, especially if you're getting a degree, not uncommon for you to start to feel depressed or anxious. If you feel that way, don't beat yourself up. Go to somebody, talk to somebody. Um, obviously, you accomplish something great. Well, I see that we're going to be coming up on the break here in a little bit. So after the break, I will tell you about the conversation we had when we discussed how she was feeling about the abortion she had. We, you know, it was, it was a deep conversation. It was not an easy conversation to have. And what do you say at that moment? Well, when we come back from the break, folks, we're going to see how she handled it and how we talked about it and how she found a little peace after the break. All right. Well, welcome back to the Dr. Lee Sandoval show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Let me read a Bible quote. I like this Bible. Jude chapter one, verse 21. It says, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Let's read that again. Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Beautiful quote. We're going to come back to that in a second. I wanted to bring that up because before the break, I was talking about a patient I saw who was referred to me for treatment of depression and anxiety. She was not feeling good about where she was in life, even though she had accomplished so much. But yet there was fear, there was emptiness. She had just pretty much finished graduating from college, was not sure what her future held, but she knew that there was a lot of pressure from her family uh, to make sure that she succeeded when she went to college. As a result, when she got pregnant early on, uh, was not in a very healthy relationship, she decided to have an abortion. And now she's coming to me with symptoms of depression and anxiety. She shared this, and uh, one of the questions would be, well, how did the topic of abortion even come up? Because that was probably the four years prior to her meeting me that she had this uh, abortion. And at this point, she was already moving forward in her life. You'd think, gosh, that happened in the past, not even thinking about it. But um, as we were discussing her case, she said, you know, I know that that's a big weight on on me. And she would say, because I would ask her, well, what about your career? That's a lot of pressure. Okay. Uh, finding a job, that's a lot of pressure. You feel like you have to make right by your family. But she brought up, yeah, you know, a few years back, this happened too. And sometimes I think about it. I said, well, what's that like for you? I wasn't going to put words in her mouth. I wasn't going to tell her how to feel about it. So well, what's that like for you? Share with me what happened. So she told me um, the story and she wasn't in a good place. Uh, she wanted to make sure that she finished her degrees 
she just it was more of an she didn't think twice about it because she had all these other goals this was not part of her life uh this was not going to be something that was going to be important in her life having a child was not going to be helping her reach her goals at this point though once the goals are met all the dust is settled she said you know if i just move forward if i just keep moving forward in life i don't think about it much i'm okay i'm okay but she said I can't stop and think about it. I can't stop and think what I did because then I fall apart. I said, why is that? And she just kind of um, didn't have words. You know, she kind of looked at me knowingly like, well, you, I think you know why, you know, I asked not because I was trying to pressure her to say one thing or another, but because in today's world, people have different opinions on things and people will say, you know, it was no big deal. But in her case, this was weighing heavy on her. And I was going to, I was wondering why was it weighing heavy on her? And it wasn't because she said, gosh, because maybe now I want a kid or it was literally because she said, I can't think about what I did because I know what I did and I know what I did was wrong. She said for herself, she said, I, I know that I killed uh, my child. Um, and she said, I don't know how to live with that. That's why I like this Bible quote. This is what's going to happen, folks. You ever meet somebody who had an abortion, who sinned in any way, uh, who feels that they did something and they recognize the gravity of hurting God. There's a great quote, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Why do I like that quote? Because God's love is always there. It's up to us to keep ourselves in it or not. So this hope, this quote is very hopeful. It tells you keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a very powerful quote. You know, the word mercy is being thrown around a lot. God's merciful. Don't worry. God's merciful. Sure. But in order to say that there's mercy, mercy from the court, there's no mercy if there wasn't something that needed to have mercy applied to it. And what I mean by that is this. Mercy, as we know, if, if we say, I'm going to throw myself at the mercy of the court, it means, gosh, I hope the court doesn't find me at fault. I hope the court finds me, uh, gives me a, a lesser sentence. You see this all the time on movies, on TV. Throw yourself at the mercy of the court. You hear this in real life. You know, you see, when we see uh, people unfortunately convicted of murders or big crimes and the judge says, I don't think that you're very remorseful. This court does not have much mercy on you, right? Our court system knows that there's a right and a, and a wrong. There's a judicial system and they're looking for the person to be remorseful, to want to change their life, right? We say that you're gonna go get rehabilitation things of that nature, because something's broken, right? The only reason we talk about rehabilitation is something's broken. To throw yourself at the mercy of the court means something's broken. I deserve to have a greater punishment, but I'm throwing myself at the mercy of God, at the mercy of the court, hopefully to not have such a strong punishment. Well, that's what this quote says. Wait for the mercy of our Lord. I have to recognize that I have sinned, that I have sinned against God, and that I hope God can have mercy on me because my heart is now towards God. That's what happened was happening to this young lady. That's what hap was happening to her. She couldn't really look at the at the gravity of her sin because then she was going to fall apart. She was that's a good place to be actually. People say, "Well, what what's that all about? You should tell her everything's okay. That what she did was okay." You can't do that. I'm not going to I'm not going to change how she feels looking at the situation. But if we find ourselves in that way regardless of what uh, that's applied to. In other words, right now we're talking about abortion. Obviously, there was an inter that interesting article we talked about early in the show, you know, billboards going up using our faith against us. But at the same time, with the billboards that are not going up, that should be going up are saying, 
sometimes actually sometimes they are up and we don't see them or we don't uh, we look at them and we just kind of let it pass by but where's the billboard that said god still loves you repent of your sins um you know god is going to be merciful to you the sins weigh heavy but god's mercy is much greater and that's really what this court is saying what this quote from the bible is saying again this quote is from jude chapter 1 verse 21 um and the important part about this is the very last part if you wait for god's mercy we're waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. And that's the goal. You know, when I talked to this young lady, she was from a Catholic background. And that's pretty much the conversation we had. I said, I, I realize that this weighs heavy on you. I said, is there anything that brings you relief? Anything that helps you to feel a little bit more calm? Um, and she says, you know, I can't, I can't really think of anything like that. And we talked about her spirituality. I said, how's your spiritual life? Do you have one? She said, yeah, I was brought up Catholic. I was baptized. Uh, she said, I really don't follow it. I said, well, what do you think about returning to that a little bit? Would that bring you a little bit of peace? And she said, you know, she would think about it. I only saw her once or twice in clinic. Uh, she was moving uh, since she'd gotten her degree. She was going to move to a different part of town. She was going to set up with a new uh, doctor. Um, so I only saw her just a couple times. But that uh, that experience was powerful, I think, for her, because by the second time that I saw her, um, she was a little bit more at peace. I'm not saying she was feeling 100%, but she recognized the gravity of her sin. She didn't want to look at it, but I think she was also able to marry that and recognize the mercy that our Lord Jesus Christ has for us as he wants to bring us to eternal life. I think when we look at anybody who tells somebody that it's okay, come and, and, and have your abortion or, or do this, and you know, at some point these people, somebody might recognize a huge gravity somebody might feel a lot of guilt um what do we say to them you know what do we say to somebody who who's on the other side even let's say somebody who doesn't have an abortion but somebody who tells you that abortion is great and they're going to fight for it to be the right of every person in the world and you know, it doesn't even just have to be abortion it can be any anything that we feel is contrary to our faith what's our approach to that you know it's easy for us to get frustrated to get angry but i always think we got to bring it back to god's love because that's the part of the bible quote and verse that was missing from that billboard love god first why because god's never going to stop loving us here's another great quote look at romans chapter 5 verse 8 but god demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners christ died for us that's from romans chapter 5 verse 8 saint, saint paul reminds us just of that of god's love how powerful it is especially in light of our own sins and it's not like St. Paul saying, hey, <clears throat> you know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, Christ came to take care of our little sins, you know, our venial sins and the big sins. Whoa, be careful of those because Christ isn't going to be merciful on that. No, quite the opposite. I think the bigger the sin, the more Christ wants to come because that's the way that God's love is demonstrated for us. That's He's showing us how much he loves us. That's why the most important commandment is love God with every fiber of your being. And the second important commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Why do we have to love God first? Because that's where love, where love comes from. And that's where mercy comes from. And that's how we're going to understand not only what's right or wrong, but how to love each other. We always got to bring it back to God's love. Anybody comes to us, they're in a difficult position, or we see something like this. What's the best Catholic psychiatric way to approach this? Number one, let me go back to the basics. 
right? It's easy to get confused and to say, oh my goodness, the world's falling apart. My Catholic faith is falling, falling apart. Look at this. Where's anything? How's anything going to save us? Everything is going to pot. My faith is over. We're all going to go to hell. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's easy to fall down that, uh, that rabbit hole. But take a step back. Let's take it to the basics. What's the very first rule? Love God before all else with every fiber of your being. That's what it comes down to. So in that way, let's go back to the loving quotes of the Bible and find out how does God love us. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, St. Paul again reminds us, and now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Remember, at the end of the day, why did Christ do all this? He didn't do it for him. He didn't do it for his own glory. He did it that we might live through him. This is how much God loves us. It's about us. You know, sometimes we say it's not all about us. For God, it is all about us, but in a different way. You know, it's, a, it's in a way that he wants us to live with him in eternal life. We don't always see that, so we make our own choices that are different. It says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent us his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That was 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. That's a beautiful quote. Beautiful quote. We've got to remember this. We've got to take it back to God's love because it can be overwhelming to think about all these things. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has on us, that we should be called children of God, that this is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. <clears throat> By thinking about God's love, bringing it back to uh, the people who come to us or anybody who's feeling upset uh, or in a bind or angry at us or take your pick, you can't go wrong going back to God's love. Why? Because that's how we get to know him. Well, we come back from the break, folks. I got another story for you. Uh, on another patient who this time she was going to go have an abortion and we had a powerful meeting as well. Um, we're going to talk about that after the break and we're going to look at more quotes of God's love because ultimately when it comes to these things, that's the best therapy there is. How am I going to fix the world? I'm not going to fix the world. God's love it. More after the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, a pleasure to be here with our audience. I like these quotes on God's love from the Bible. Why? Because I think that at the end of the day, when we see so much frustrations in our world, so many different people arguing, so much, um, how should I put it, controversy, and we start to lose sight of ourselves, it's because we don't remember to bring it back to God's love. I think if everybody in the world just stopped for a moment and thought about how much God loved them and nothing else, everything would change. Everything would change. But it's hard for us to do that. Why? Because in order to do that, we'd have to stop and pray. And we know that, gosh, prayer can be challenging because when we pray, sometimes we don't always pray for the right things or we're not always sure how to pray. But how do we bring it back to that? We think about God. We bring it back to thinking, boy, I, I am nothing in this world without God. And God brought me into this world. At one point, I did not exist. I did not exist. Why is it that I exist now? Why is it that I am me? Why is it that I am on this particular place in this planet? How did my person get to be here? 
well, that was all in God's plan. And I have to trust in that. If I can trust in that, I think the world can change. I think the world can change. Let's see here. Quick quote on God's love. Let's see. Let me get you a good one. Mm, from Isaiah. Oh, I like this one. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Listen, I love that. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. Regardless of what chaos is going on around you, regardless of what you see happening, regardless of what that mountain is, it's being shaken, whether it be your faith, your financial situation, your life, and the hills be removed around you, God's unfailing love will not be shaken and his covenant of peace will never be removed. Meaning that God is the only thing that's steadfast. This world is passing, folks. This world is, you know, one day we will all meet our creator. Um, and if we don't understand that God loves us, I think that's when people might fall into that moment of despair because then we feel like, nope, my hope is no longer in God. I, I don't believe that God can save me. That's a tough place to be. Now, very different from saying, gosh, I'm afraid to, to show God my sins because I realize what I've done and that's bad. But if I can throw myself at the mercy of the court and I believe that God's going to save me and that he's going to renew me as he has through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm no longer in despair. I might be in shame. I might feel very a whole lot of shame, but not despair because my hope is in God. I think it's very easy to fall into this place where we feel like my sins are so overwhelming that even God can't fix them. I can't show my face to God because he's not going to care about me anymore. And that's where we fall into the sin of despair. Not when we feel shame about our sins. That's a whole different story. You know, I'm afraid to, to meet God because, boy, my sins are ugly and I don't want to hear what he has to say. But I hope he has mercy on me. I hope that he still takes me into heaven. I hope that he can put my heart in a place where I want to be good and I want to be cleansed of my sins. Once we're there, we've made it, folks. If we desire to be with God, if we desire to be in that state of grace, that's important. And I think that that's what we got to remember when we talk to other people. Because they're going to hear a lot of stories. They're going to hear people's stories of, you know, they're going to hear our stories of what we've done that we feel like, gosh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I would not have allowed my heart to go in that direction. And that's tough. You know, here's another story for you on another young gal. She was also in her 20s. She was in college at the time. Uh, she came to me also because she was feeling overwhelming uh, anxiety or depression. But this was directly related to the fact that she had just gotten pregnant or found out that she was pregnant. And she was in college. She was an athlete. She had a whole lot going for her. Uh, went to a party, met a guy. And uh, as a, in, the, in the culture today, as they say, they hooked up. They had uh, intimate relations uh, that one time. And then... Uh, she got pregnant. She got pregnant. Definitely not where she wanted to be. She had a scholarship. She was, uh, you know, moving her way towards her future. She couldn't imagine being pregnant. Uh, and at the time, she was contemplating abortion. Now, she didn't come to me to ask to ask me if uh, abortion was okay or not. She came to me specifically because she had anxiety and depression, and she wasn't sure what to do. How do you counsel somebody like that? Well. From a Catholic perspective, it's easy to say, well, 
You got to sit down and tell her not to have an abortion. You got to sit down and tell her to keep this baby. You got to sit down and tell her, well, that's all that, all that's good and true. But you also got to look at, is that going to help her think? Is that going to help her move forward? Or is she going to shy away from it even more? And the more you pressure this person, uh, the harder it is. Because you got to remember one thing, folks, there's always free will. I'm not responsible for other people's choices. That can be hard for people to hear, but even in the regular medical world, you know, sometimes people come back to clinic and say, oh, doc, get mad at me because I uh, I didn't follow your advice. I, I didn't take um, your the medication the way you gave it to me. Um, I'm not doing so well. Go ahead and get mad at me. And I tell my patients, well, I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm not in charge of you. I'm here to give you my professional opinion. And you have the choice to either take the medication or not. I can't go over to your house and make sure you're taking the medication. I'm not going to call you every day and say, hey, it's time for your medication. We're all adults here at this point. I see adults. Um, and you already know what you're going to do. You know what the difference between right and wrong, shall we say, or you know that you have a choice. I've given you medication. I've told you how it's going to work. Uh, we've discussed the risks, the benefits, the alternatives. And now it's really up to you because we have something very important, even recognized in the medical world. It's called autonomy, which really means free will. You know, that's probably the most important thing we've got. That's the most important thing that that God gave us because God gave us choice. Right. And this is how, again, if you want to say, well, scripture is uh, being used inappropriately in those billboards we talked about. The idea of free will, think about it. We say it's a woman's choice. And the reality is, so long as abortion is being provided, it is a woman's choice. They have free will. There's there's no question about that. I can't take away somebody's free will despite my opinion on the subject matter. So the important thing in this case was I was talking to this young gal. Um, she was coming to me and she was saying, you know, there was something about her. You really got to listen because she pretty much said, you know, I, I can't. I can't keep the, this is what she said. She said, I can't keep this baby because I will not be able to graduate from college and achieve my goals. And, um, and uh, I was, but it, she was conflicted. You know, this is where you got to have that listening ear to see where is this person at? Because as she was coming to me to treat for depression or anxiety, I said, well, I can give you some medication. And she said, well, I hear that's bad for the baby anyway. So I thought, well, wait a minute. On the one hand, you're telling me that you want to have an abortion. On the other hand, you really care about this child. You you really because you're all of a sudden you're saying I don't want to I don't want to hurt the baby with any medication. She started crying at that moment, and I just stopped. It was a powerful, powerful moment. I just stopped and and, and waited a little while, and as she kind of recollected herself, I asked her, "So what, what what's going on? Why are you crying?" You know, she said she didn't want to hurt the baby. I said the last thing you said is you were afraid to take any medication because you didn't want to hurt the baby, and all I said was. I can reassure you that anything I prescribe you for the depression or anxiety will not hurt your baby. I'm not going to hurt your baby. So I'm going to recommend some medication and you can, you can take it. I think it'll be better. I told her because, you know, we always worry. We take that risk that if you are pregnant, uh, medications can harm the baby. We know that there's a risk and benefits, but overall the medications I would prescribe, we know they're pretty safe. Um, can't guarantee anything 100%, but lots of moms have taken these and their babies are fine. The moms are fine. And then I reminded her, hey, you know, on the other hand, you can choose not to take the medication, but being depressed or anxious is also not good for the baby. 
you know, having a depressed mom and anxious mom, that's not going to be good for the baby because the baby's going to absorb everything that's going on around it. Not just what you're putting in your body, but your emotions, your mood, because it affects your physical being, right? We're connected. We say body, mind, and spirit. I also believe that <clears throat> not only is the mental health important to treat the baby, but the spiritual health of the mom. And this gal was conflicted. She was spiritually conflicted. I don't know what the end of the story was because I only saw her that one time. And we talked about it. I gave her the prescription. I reassured her it wasn't going to harm her baby. And I could tell that she was thinking many, many different things in her mind because on the one hand, she didn't feel like she could move forward with this. And on the other hand, she felt like she didn't want to have that abortion or she wanted to take care of the baby. So at this point, what is the best thing to do? Because I can't guarantee she's going to come back to see me and I don't know what choice she's going to make. At the end of the day, it's God's mercy. I didn't, I was thinking, what would Jesus want to do in this case? Well, I, not that I would be you know, excellent for that, but gosh, if she's in, in my office, God, you've created this situation. Maybe you're hoping that we just have a conversation. Well, I think just listening to her, knowing that somebody was not judging her overall, you know, I would, or at all, um, just giving her the facts. Listen, you're not feeling pretty, you're not feeling too well. You're telling me that you don't want to hurt the baby. Those are your words. And I'm letting you know this isn't going to hurt the baby. And you're going to be able to take care of this baby um, if you take this medication because you're not going to feel depressed or anxious. I think she left there with a sense of hope. I think there was something that I got to let the Holy Spirit work at that point because I'm not God. And just say, pray for you. Hope you're doing well. And I hope that somewhere in your heart you realize that it sounds like you really love this baby. You know, even even if you're conflicted, even, even if uh, you don't know what you're doing. You know, and this is where people can say things about, gosh, don't pray for me or people who pray outside of clinics are, you know, silly or things along those lines. But at the end of the day, folks, remember, why do we bring it back to God's love? Because it's God who is working in the world. It, it's really, you know, Pope Benedict said, you know, the, the older he got, he realized that it wasn't him doing anything. It was all Jesus. That's what he said. He, he quoted, he said, you know, as the older I get, so the one thing I understand is that none of this is me. It's Jesus. Well, does that sound familiar to us? Does that sound like somebody else we know? I believe St. Paul also said, it is no longer I, but Christ working through me. That's important to consider because when we feel overwhelmed, when we see things like this, it's easy to get up in arms and want to uh, attack the person who put up billboards or the person who's going to uh, you know, tell you that sin's okay or somebody who uses a Bible quote in the way we don't like it. And at the end of the day, folks, the bottom line here who want to be at peace psychiatrically, if we want to be at peace in our minds, if we want to be at peace in our bodies, and if we want to be at peace in our souls, we want to bring it back to the love of God because he's the ultimate author of this world and it's everything that Jesus uh, did for us that counts for anything. That's what matters. Let's end here with a few quotes on the love of God for us. This is from the book of Zephaniah. We don't hear that very often. Chapter 3, verse 17 the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. That sounds to me like a wonderful God that we need to consider. When we feel overwhelmed, when we feel like people are hurting us spiritually, take it back to God. Nobody can hurt us spiritually when we think of the love of God because that's what's going to protect us. That's what's going to overcome us. The blood of Christ that was shed on the cross for us. If we pray that that cover us, our families, our life, our world, 
I think we've made a pretty good job. Until next week, see you here on the Dr. Luis Animal Show.